Greetings, Snake Horse Racing fans! Welcome back to the newest, the hottest, the coolest, the most insert adjective of your choice hereist, Sim Horse Racing Podcast. This is the morning line. Are we qualified? No, but we're going to do it anyway. I'm Nini Hunter. I'm Mary Jade Vess. And unfortunately, uh, we're very sad to inform everybody that uh, Dylan Christensen is not with us. I believe what happened was after the last podcast, Tillin, Tillin, <laughs> Tim fell into some kind of deranged uh, headspace when Witted ran well in the Baltimore Crown, uh, drove over to Dylan's hometown, packed him in a box and put him on a flight to Australia to make him fight Cleo for him. Uh, if any of you know where Dylan is, or if you see him, or if you see Tim, uh, please uh, call in, drop us a line, let us know. Tim, if you're listening, please just, we just want our co-host back, Tim. Please, please send him back. <laughs> please, I'm begging you. We but, need him. He has the good voice. <laughs> he has the good podcast voice. Well, while Dylan may not be here, we do have a very special guest with us this week. We bring back the steward, the one and only, the lovely, to answer some questions that you all have submitted for us. Hello, Yay, Emily. Questions. Hi, everybody. How are you doing this day? Oh, I've had a day. Let me tell you, there's been some stuff and it all happened today. Yeah, tell us like. all the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... So I'm going to I'm going to tell you one of my stories later in, with one of these questions. But the first story is that my favorite cat, Nicholas, who is like my life. And if anything happens to him, it'll be bad. Um, he's been acting super lethargic and I couldn't find him for a long time today, which is super rare because he's always right with me. And I finally found him up on a high shelf that he'd never been on before. And he was like, just I can't express enough how lethargic this cat was. And he looked like his belly was bulging. And I was like, oh my God, he's got like some kind of belly bulge, like something's blocking his intestines. And I was freaking out. And I noticed he hadn't eaten any of his food. And I'm about to leave for California. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to rush him to the emergency vet. Like, I don't know what to do. I gave him painkillers. Yeah, no. Up on the really high shelf was another cat's bag of food and he had shredded it open and eaten an entire bag. And that's why my cat is just being fat and not moving. So <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad I wasted mental energy on thinking he was dying. I relate spiritually to your cat. When he was bit, he just put himself in a food coma. He did. And now I'm like, okay, are you going to like vomit for the rest of eternity considering you ate a bag of cat food? No, he looks happy as can be. Oh my God. I'm glad Nicholas is okay. Yes, for sure. Oh man. Well, we're super excited to have you back. We did have uh, 35 questions submitted for today's episode in an alarmingly I'm different sure, like time. 30 of them. I think 30 of them are from Carol Hansen. Yeah. <laughs> Carol is so apt for this. She like, is. We, she needs to chill. <laughs> we told her that this was going to happen, and she was like, "I'm ready." Yeah, she must have had like like forty thousand questions. Like all of these are going in this episode. <laughs> this is all happening now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so I we we've talked about this in the past, like the, the name for this segment. I said back uh, the last time we did this, I didn't feel right calling this Ask Him Anything because that's such like a hold all tickets, uh, which was Scott's podcast. It was such a hold all tickets thing. And I was like, I don't want to repeat that. And then Mara and Dylan were like, yeah, let's like call it something else. And Mara came up with a lovely name for it. Uh, right? Remember? Yes. Tell yes. I re Do you not remember it? <laughs> no, I remember it. I just want you to oh. say it. I came up with the morning line mailbag. And I I love it. Yeah. That's great. Good. I like it. I'm in. Featuring the steward. <laughs> All right. Right. But anyway. You, know you, could, you could like expand it. Like you could get Eric Nalbone on here and have mailbag with Eric. Like it doesn't have to just be me. Yeah. You hear that, Eric? You Eric, if you're on? listening, <laughs> drop, drop us a line. All right. You so, would do it, guys. You would do it. I've maybe spoken three words to Eric in my entire life. That's three more than me. <laughs> I love him dearly. Like I've known him since I was like what twelve or something. I, he's he's a I don't know. I've seen him twice in twenty five years. But but he he likes to talk, and I think he'd be okay with me saying that. And I think having a forum where he could just talk a whole bunch would make him really happy. All right, definitely. Well, the offer is out there, Eric. If you're listening. If you're not listening, then consider the offer not there, though, because we only, <laughs> only people who listen to the podcast are allowed to come on. So, sorry, man. 
<laughs> anyway, we're going to open this here mailbag and get started with some questions. The first of which uh, is one that I really like a lot. And this player is asking, when would you suggest to give up on a well-bred blue hen mare who doesn't seem to produce anything? So I actually, I, I'm going to talk about this and I am notorious for this, but I don't believe in the kind of gameplay where you get thousands and thousands of horses and go for breeding them all, hoping to hit it big, basically. Um, I just, I don't think that's really the way that it works. And I think that that leads to burnout. That said, if you play that way, don't give up on your blue hens because number wise, statistically, those are the ones that are going to come through for you. So don't give up on them. Now, if you're someone who can't handle having thousands of horses and don't want to deal with burnout, my rule personally is three. If you've had three horses reach the races and they can't run, get the heck rid of that mare because you don't have time for that garbage in your life. (laughs) Okay, but like, what about Witted's Dam that we were just talking about last time? Like, Cleo sold her because she was sick of her, and now Tim has her, and Tim's all mad because she didn't, uh, like, Witted hit the genetic lottery. Like, I guess, like, before Witted, she had some, like, okay horses, like, she has one full aside from him with three wins and like that's the best that they could do like what about that though there's there's that's that, the problem i mean people people hoard these horses because they're so scared that that's gonna happen and it does happen but for every one of those there's what a hundred that it doesn't happen so i mean sometimes you just gotta let it go so it's, i don't think i don't think that cleo's game is gonna change at all nor is tim's game gonna change at all that that mare changed hands like they're not gonna lose their spot in gameplay you know what i mean like their lives haven't changed because they didn't that it didn't work out for them you know does that make sense Mm -hmm. so sometimes you have to be brave and just get rid of a mare that should be good if someone else hits the jackpot with it that's okay you'll live will i unless you're tim (laughs) yeah he was being I mean, understandably, I'd be dramatic about it too. But anyway, well, you're like TLDR, the odds are probably not in your favor if they're failing to produce over and over again and that it's kind of a lottery thing. Cool. Okay, so this next question I've seen a few times on the forum since the new comments came in, and that is, why are the majority of steward breads at peak even as yearlings? I actually love this question, and I've been waiting to answer it. There's a couple of them on here that are like this. But I can't believe that people haven't figured this out already. Every single late bloomer is guaranteed to jump up, basically. I guess it's possible to stay in your Gallup comment if you're literally at the very, very one spectrum of it and you your jump isn't big enough that you make it to the end. But, but I would say like 95% are going to change their Gallup comment. So let's say you have an army of steward bred yearlings and of the army, 25 are allowance 200 are stakes and 25 are freaks or whatever it is. I'm totally making up those numbers, but that sounds about right. Do you really want a huge percentage of those horses, including the freaks, to be able to jump up to be better freaks? Like, is that going to be good for other breeders? That sounds like a disaster of only steward breads always winning every race for all eternity. That doesn't make sense to me. They're already freaks. They don't need to get any better than being freaks because that would just be aggressive. Interesting. I guess it makes sense now that you kind of lay that out, but yeah. Definitely. (laughs) It's not all of them. I know some people have said that it's every store breads at peak. That's not true, but it is most of them are at peak. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely, I would say the vast majority. I own zero that were anything not peak. But anyway, the next question is, I'd say a pretty widely held belief by uh, players, and that is, how is the steward able to get more out of mares than the average player? Like I've seen a lot of uh, mares that were owned by you that produced uh, like hundred thousand air after hundred thousand air millionaire grade one performer, and then you sell it to a player for her last couple of foals, or because you got tired of them or whatever, and they're not able to get anything out of her the same way you did. Like struggle to break their maiden kind of horses. What's your take on yeah. that? Well, first of all, as I've said a million times, I'm literally looking at the numbers. Like, there's no guesswork involved. I'm literally looking at the numbers. I'm literally calculating what the baby is going to be without a slide when it's born because I can see it. Like, I don't know how else to explain that. Luckily, sewerbreds are going away, so this problem is going to not be a problem anymore. But I get rid of mares because 
I think that they're garbage. So a horse that produces a hundred thousand to a hundred thousand, if that's as good as it can get, when I'm literally looking at the numbers and that's as good as it can do, that means that a horse is garbage. You should not buy mares that I've gotten rid of because I'm tired of them. It means they're bad. That said, <clears throat> I'm planning on week one selling like a hundred mares. Like I'm, I need to back away. I have to homeschool this year. I need out. So instead of being five to ten years, I'm going to be cutting back significantly. Those mares you can buy because they're actually good. I'm not getting rid of them because I hate them. I'm getting rid of them because apparently now we're all homeschoolers. The post-COVID world. <laughs> yeah, uh, you hate to see it. Yeah. Uh, next up is from this degenerate player called Andrew Davidson. And he asks, where should I hide a dead body? Okay, so I really <laughs> like this question. I can't tell you where to hide a dead body, but I can tell you how to hide a dead body. And I have a story that happened today, and this is why I know about this, okay? So I don't know if you've heard, but I'm a chicken farmer now. And my life is not what it was three months ago. I don't even know myself. It's super weird. But we have all these chicks that we've been raising for the last month, and it was time for them to go to the big coop today. And I had my dog with me because my dog is always with me and he's not a problem. And so it didn't occur to me that he might be a problem. So right as we get to the coop, we take the lid off the bucket and we're about to move all the baby chicks into the coop. And one of them jumps out, which I didn't know they could do. I didn't even know that they could fly. Like I'm pretty much a crap chicken farmer because I don't know anything about chicken. So this chick gets out and within it was so fast. It goes in the dog's mouth. Like it's so fast how fast he got that chick. And so I grab the dog, he spits out the bird, and she takes off into the cactus. So this chicken, it's 109 degrees, and she's running through cactus, and the five of us are chasing her, trying to catch her, because if she doesn't get water, she's going to die. So she's covered with cactus needles, and it's just a disaster. And we did, after an hour, get her, and she's actually totally fine. So I go to put the dog away, because I'm pissed at him for doing that. I'm yelling at him, and I'm like, you don't eat the chickens. I go to my backyard... And there's an enormous dead rat across where my sliding glass. We're talking maggots. Uh, We're talking. I love that, it was, it I love was that description. So horrifying, guys. <laughs> it was so bad. And even my dad was like squealing and he couldn't get rid of it. And I'm like, I'll do it, I'll do it. So I dispose of the body. But then there's like this outline of this rat carcass and there's maggots and there's what all this stuff, right? So uh, I grabbed bleach. I've never used bleach in my life. I had to borrow it. And I dumped bleach all over the patio. An hour later, there was not a trace <laughs> of anything. So the answer of where you can, how to get rid of a dead body is bleach. Thank you, Andrew Davidson. I've got your back. <laughs> uh, paging, you the, paging the FBI, who's now going to star our website after <laughs> they listen to this podcast. Hello, uh, my personal FBI agent, if you're listening to this uh, sorry this is a podcast about fake horses we do not condone crime or murder or hiding dead bodies just it's 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 fun you know it's just fun all right next question does a horse who has been gate trained have any advantage over a horse who hasn't been this is not referring to experience they gain from it a trained horse is more likely to break out of the gate faster so no does it have an advantage over a horse who hasn't Yes, because it adds to experience. And the horses with the most experience are the ones that do best in their first race. Does it make them break out of the gate better? No. And that's probably a, like an error in programming that those two things don't correlate. But breaking from the gate is 100% bad luck. It's something that you kind of draw when the results and everything happens at once. Bad luck is just a thing that happens to one out of every seven horses. I made that number up. I don't know what the number is, but it's a percentage of horses get bad luck. And that's why you see some races where three horses stumble and some races where none of the field of 12 stumble. It's just random. It's totally random. So will training them in the gate fix that problem? No, it can't be fixed. It's random. Will it make them run better in their first start? Absolutely. Okay, this is like news to me. I've been here since like year 30 and I somehow did not know this, which is crazy. And I had a, now I'm going to go do this with all of my decent <laughs> things now. So this, this was like eye opening. So shout out for that. Okay. Our next question has been a little bit of a hot topic on the forum in recent days and, or weeks, I guess. And that is, why did the steward change her stance on real-life sires in The Sims, selling them rather than standing them herself? Yeah, I would prefer to stand them myself, and I still think that that is the best thing for the game. That said, 
pretty much hours after our last recording that I had with you guys, you have to remember that it's not just me. I know I'm the face of it and it's easy to come after me or friend me or whatever it is, but there's a hierarchy and I'm not actually at the top. The Sim is multiple people above me in charge. Like there's people involved and there's programmers and there's uh, what's what's it called when people invest? What's that called? Investors. Stakeholders. <laughs> yeah. I'm not the only person around, right? So the people above me were like, hey, here's the thing. There's a lot of game point money in the sim. Thousands of thousands of game point money in the sim that people bought, whether it was the last game point at half day, they got it off the exchange, whatever it was. And it was just sitting there. It was stagnant. It hadn't changed in ages. And they said, you need to move this money. Like, we need to create some way to move this money fast because of the bottom line or whatever. And so that is the fastest way right now to to do that. And I had to answer to that kind of a problem, which I wasn't anticipating because I don't see how much is happening. Like, I don't financially know what's going on until it's the end of the month. Like, I didn't know. And so I needed to come up with a solution and that was the fastest one. And maybe I should have instead come up with a different solution, but we don't want to sell racehorses for money. We don't want to sell at travel uh, by summer yearling auction that I do or full auction or whatever it is for game points. I hate that. Like, I don't think it's good, but we have to move the game points or else we're all going to be out of jobs and the sim isn't going to exist. So it's like a really hard balance. I don't feel comfortable with it either. It doesn't bring me joy, and but I don't yet know a better way to strike that balance. Does that make sense? It does, definitely. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up is my mic on. Yes, it is. Oops. Uh, next up. How was the number of freaks in the game determined? Is it that every horse that is born has a number, let's say... Uh, or this that was really I'm sorry that was really poorly phrased. This question is phrased not great. Let me figure out how to say this without b- basically. It. Okay, no, no, no. <laughs> basically, is is there a specific number threshold that a horse has to meet in order to be classed as a freak, or is it a percentage of the crop, no matter what the number is? So it's definitely a specific number, and it doesn't have anything to do with the percentage of the crop, which is why sometimes you get. 10 turf miler freaks in a crop and sometimes you get one and it's totally based on the number and that's why it's really easy to be like okay we're adjusting the gallop limits which by the way is going to happen this coming year 57 um and be like okay freak is going from 15.5 to 15.8 and then everybody's like oh my god you made my horse slow it's like no your horse is literally still a 15.5 just the threshold move that's a really really hard concept for people to understand but as i hope we all agree the better you can gauge your horse where you don't get disappointed if it's not a freak versus an allowance that can't run in allowances we want those to be accurate and so we have to move the target sometimes it, it's just part of it I'm always a really big fan whenever Gallup comments change, so that is definitely welcome with open arms for me. Or as far as changing, going, uh, adjusting the thresholds that need to be met, I think it paints a more accurate representation of horse talent. Uh, I'm glad that you ironed this out because uh, if you'll see that I posted a little a screenshot in the Discord chat right now, uh, this was a reply from you to players that I think got misinterpreted over time, where horses are on a bell curve and. I'm glad that it was ironed out on this podcast. So there was a lot of like confusion and a lot of uh, this and that. Uh, so just to clarify, it's totally threshold based, whether a horse is a freak or a stakes or allowance, et cetera. Yeah, it's totally a threshold, but I think the bell curve, what I was trying to explain still applies. Like just naturally based on where the mares are when they retire, there's only a certain way that a baby can come out. Like they all, there's a certain amount of mares that retire and are garbage versus a certain amount that are better. So, and when you figure, you figure the yearlings would be the same. Yeah, and when you were in act very actively breeding a lot of mares, which you're moving away from, you ended up with a number of these really nice mares. So naturally, a lot of the horses in the bell curve, the nice ones, would fall with you. Right. Okay. And so perfect. once those mares, once those mares go back to the population, then that'll be awesome. And I'm not buying the good ones. And of course, the population will get more of them. All right, awesome. That was a really good question. Mm-hmm. Sick. Next up is 
I'm pretty sure it's like the first of four million Carol Hansen questions, and that is why has Nevermind declined so much in ability? Will he ever be able to win another grade one and maybe reach one million dollars in earnings, or should I retire him? And then in brackets, unless he's not going to make a very good sire. Okay, well, I can't see if he's going to be a good sire because I don't have the database open right now. Um, that's not on my computer, as I've explained before. But, I mean, he's a four-year-old sprinter. Like, the it used to be that if you were a good two-year-old sprinter, you had no shot of being good at four, especially season. Like, that... That is kind of a recent phenomenon in the last 10 sim years that people can run these four, five, and six-year-old sprinters that were actually good at not a thing. So it, it still exists. The horses don't go on forever. They usually have about a year and a half of peak ability. He, he's past it. I'm really sorry. Will he win another grade one? Sure. Will it be like the Stewards Cup? Uh, that's not really looking that good at the moment, but there are other grade ones on the planet. Will he get to a million dollars? Sure, if you run him away from the Pegasus and the Stewards Cup and the Chimborazo, it'll take longer, but it's possible. There's no like limit that says never mind, can't win anymore. Like that's not a thing. But you need to change your training with him. He can win. All right. Uh, we have another question for Carol here, from Carol rather, asking if she has any broodmares in her barn that you would potentially try and buy if you weren't stepping away from that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys know how many horses I want, want to buy? And it used to be that I would start sending people messages and be like, and if I could buy this horse, I would buy, totally buy this horse. But then I was like, yeah, people don't really want to hear that garbage. So, Carol, I pulled up your mares. Here's who I want to buy. La Forza, Lilibet, Eroica, Marcella, Cording, Citywalk, Margaret Beaufort, and World Shine Bright. No, not that one. I'm missing one. Lillian. Those are the horses that I would buy right now from you if I was still buying mares. All right, there you go. Doesn't get much clearer than that. <laughs> Next, another Carol question, and this one says, once in an article you said that you would buy, is it a Roca or a Rosha? I it was a Roica. I don't know. A Roica. Some Carol. That horse. <laughs> em just said it like four seconds ago, but, you know, I totally forgot it. Um, as a full for 13 million, is that because of the fact she was a freak or is her formidable rating a fluke and she's actually going to be as good as a broodmare as her dam? That was definitely because she was a freak and because um, her pedigree makes it so that she's really valuable. You have to remember that when I'm looking to buy a horse, it's not about their broodmare rating or anything. It's all about what can I get people to pay for this horse. I believed that if she was pretty good on the track and I bought her, I would easily make that amount back in three to four the amount that I look back in that amount, then I don't want the mare. So yeah, I know that for me, I could have made that money back. Is she gonna make you 13 million? Uh again, like with Nevermind, it's not impossible, but that's dicey. But what if she gets one really good one, like a Coleman Hell type that wins everything? Bam, you got your 13 million. So uh, it's too early to say. I just want to point out here that Carol named this horse's companion cat 13 million cat. So <laughs> gotta, gotta love that. Nice. Another one from Carol here. Would you agree that Moonfaced is underrated and probably just a tier below the top turf route studs of the game like Brilliance? I love Moonfaced. I think he's totally underrated and underutilized. I think he's priced very fairly, and I definitely think people should be using him for sure. Next up is a f yeah another hot topic uh, on the forum, and that is what happened to George Nats? So George has been having trouble with the way the sim is run for a while. And I'm not going to speak specifically to the situation that made him leave, but because you can't win the game and because people are in all different time zones and of all different financial abilities, whether that's sim money or real money, we have to change it up. We have to constantly be putting horses up for sale with sim money and then on the forum for sim money and then uh, game points and different kinds of auctions and contests. There's some people that are really upset about contests and they don't think there should be any contests because those are won by people who are good at guessing games or, you know, picking what cat I'm looking at, whatever it is. But otherwise, the sim's going to get boring really fast because it's going to be the same five people who have 100% of the wealth. You have to spread it out. There's, 
unless you want us to specifically go in and code something like you can't win more than X amount of times or you can't win more than X amount of money. And I don't think anyone wants that because that's that's that makes it more computer game like rather than real life, which is what we're trying to do. Can you in real life be gifted a random good horse? Sure. You guys should have seen in, oh, was it Ireland or England this week where Aiden O'Brien literally gave his son a horse because he was like, daddy, I used to gallop this horse and I like it. And Aiden said, here you go, son. And it's literally won two group one races. That's a real Man, life. Imagine that. <laughs> Does that happen all the time in real life? No. Do we have a problem in real life where the same four trainers are winning literally everything? Yes. And it's really boring. And we don't Looking want at that you, to Bob. Sorry. Bob, Chad, Aiden, and you know, whoever it's boring. No one wants that. And so do you want that to be in the sim where it's nearly impossible to win a grade one race? No, that's stupid. Is having horses in varying different kinds of formats of sale, the right answer? I don't know, but it's what we're going with right now. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry. I can't apologize. That's what we are doing right now. Also, I just want to point out that we're recording on a set on Saturday, August 1st, and Bob Baffert won the Shared Belief and the Whitney today. So as someone Very. who is not a Bob Baffert fan, it was a bad day for me. <laughs> Look so, out, Mira. They're gonna, yeah. The Bob fans are going to come for you. And oh, me, because I'm also kind of in that boat. I just want to say, okay, we're taking up, we're digressing into real horse racing here for a second. Sorry, group of some people who don't care about this. I'm very sad on our AP loss today. Me to too. To Bob also. Come on. It's okay. He wasn't ever going to win this race. Like, he... I wrote literally a giant article about this. Unfortunately, I picked the wrong Baffert horse to beat him in it. But but John didn't want to win this race. He literally just didn't want to ship twice. So he wasn't going to go to New York for the Travers. He wasn't going to go to for the Run Happy Ellis Park Derby or whatever the heck it's called. He had to run here. He had to get a prep into him. He knew it was going to be too short. Mike Smith couldn't even come in and ride the horse in the mornings because of the COVID restrictions. So he didn't get his workouts with the jockey that he wanted. He just needed the horse to run in a circle around the track. He did not care to win this race. Should he have won the race on paper? Yes. But he also went five wide both turns and he got bumped really badly. The problem now is that some people on Twitter are talking about, if you look at the head on that, he was drifting really badly in the stretch. So now I'm afraid he's broken, but hopefully that's not real life. And hopefully he wins the Derby by 10 lengths. Yes, that that, that would be if great. That, if that's the timeline we're in, I am here for it. And that's not because I have a whole bunch of futures on that horse, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I'd love for it to be either him or Tis the Law. Tis the Law's cute. Love that horse. A lot of chromed. A lot, a lot of chrome horses in, in the Derby this year. Okay, it's been anyway. a minute. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're never gonna stop talking about this. Okay. Eh, real life racing talk. Eh, eh, eh. Okay, it's over. It's over. Okay. Back to fake racing. All right. Uh, lucky question number thirteen. How does John Exet continuously get good breeding slides? I really I love this question because I would love to talk about John for a while. I know that of late he has rubbed some people the wrong way. And I know that the Dave Matthews band situation wasn't great, but knowing John as a person in real life, like I do, you have to try to remember that there is literally not a mean bone in his body. He genuinely wants to spread the love and help everybody and share this great thing and make sure that no one gets too rich off the horse, whether it be one person getting a hundred breedings, like he doesn't want any of that to happen. He's goofy. He's quirky. That's his shtick in the game. People like can't stand it for some reason. I don't want to say the younger generation, but they just, they don't like it back in the old days. It wasn't, people didn't like it then either. Like the people who got really mad at John now have grown up and are in their thirties and sorry, got really mad at him before in like year three, four, five, six, seven are now in their thirties and forties and think John is great. It'll be interesting to see how that develops over time. If people are like, stop getting so angry at the world or I don't know, but hopefully more of the newer, younger people start to see that John's just the most harmless, happy person who just loves to play the sim. And we need people like that. It can't always be competitive and angry all the time. So how does John continuously get good breeding slides? John, more than anyone that I'm aware of, breeds mares that maybe don't have the best 
uh, broodmare comments and races babies that don't have the best gallop comments. He gets those horses that don't have a good gallop comment and then suddenly they do that first race and they bump up because I, I think he just tries it more than a lot of people. A lot of people just get rid of so many numbers of horses and those horses never get to go to the track and he doesn't breed that many. So pretty much everything makes it to the track and then he gets to see those horses that jump up. It's still something I recommend that everyone tries because it's a good thing that really does happen. There you go, everybody. Race your horses at least once. (laughs) His horse Saturday Silence, like, still gives me whiplash. Like, where did he come from? I'm (laughs) so, like, oh my gosh, okay. Good, like, oh my gosh, what a... Espar City? Like, Espar City. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm done. Okay, but if you know anything about me as a person, you have to know, like, Japanese racing is my jam. And I made Sunday Silence in the old sim, like, way back when the sim first began, as, like, the ultimate coolest best stallion that did dirt, turf, sprint route. So anything that hails from that bloodline and Japan in general, those horses are basically gold. So... The fact is that Espor City should have been better than he was. He ended up kind of being garbage and never saw the right kind of mares. And the fact that he only had the one good baby is actually more frustrating than the fact that he had a good baby. <laughs> Next up, uh, uh, we've got a question here. How much would it cost to purchase a magic mare that will produce multiple millionaires? I, I don't know. <laughs> I know that one of the best horses that I bred all of last year that I sold in auction at the beginning of this year was like the cheapest horse in the sale and it had some kind of note that said like don't tell anyone but this is the best horse in the sale I don't know something like that and it was like $200,000 or something it's still possible to get those horses it's definitely hard when people throw away a whole bunch of horses and don't try them at things and blah 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 broken record (laughs) An interesting question for the next one. How much to buy the Sim? I was originally going to totally straight up answer this because the Sim is always for sale. But please, if anyone want to come wants to come at me with like a... Counteroffer. I'm opening my wallet right now and I have $17. How does that sound? <laughs> I, can't, I can't think of any yeah. reason why you wouldn't do that. I'm going to pass on that. Thanks, though. Right, Your loss. Next up is this totally serious question. Which is how much wood could a wood chuck chuck if a wood cut? Uh oh. <laughs> Good job. Someone else say that. I um, I I may have had a couple drinks today, so. You love to hear it. You love to hear it. How much wood could a wood chuck chuck if a wood chuck could chuck wood? There you go. Um, I'm gonna go with a lot of wood. Like woodchucks sound really aggressive and like things that can really chuck wood, and so probably a lot. Oh my gosh, their teeth. I'm looking at a picture of their teeth right now. <laughs> you googled woodchucks? Yes. I need to know. serious conversation right now. <laughs> Come on, Nini. We are, we are, we're in the middle of a podcast. Let's oh, go. Oh man, cut the blinkers on. All right. Okay, I sort of don't n- exactly know what this next question is referring to. What truths can you say on the red-eye conspiracy of headshots? Question mark. Juice? Question mark. I don't know what conspiracy this is. Do we have horses with red eyes? What is that? I don't know. I'm not gonna lie. When I read this question the first time, I thought it was talking like a red eye flight, and I'm like, what does that have to do with anything about horse racing? (laughs) That said, I would still totally love to have, and this is never gonna happen, but I would love to have the juice option where for a certain amount of sim money, it'd be like the biggest money suck of all time. Like once a year, you could juice a horse and. And but then there'd always be like this percentage of getting caught, and if you get caught, that horse is retired. Like I think that'd be amazing. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that that kind of like it would be, it would be for sure. And the problem me- is that no one would believe us. They'd be like, "Oh, I got caught because you hate me," and I'd be like, "No, I don't care." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe that question was referring to like the quote-unquote headshot curse, which I'm a firm disbeliever of. Yo, there's no headshot curse, guys. I promise. There's really not. That makes me feel better because I'm I have a yearling that's gonna get a headshot and I'm worried <laughs> that he's gonna suddenly just stop. He is gonna be a good boy. He should be a good boy or he is going to the glue factory. <laughs> I am just kidding. For animal okay. lover. Yeah, of course. Even in real life, the horses don't go to the glue factory. They sit on the pasture <laughs> and they get fat. Okay, next up, uh how much for a holiday stud? I'm looking for a quarter horse stable maker. 
from Anonymous. So I don't know. It's <laughs> not the holidays. Like, what do you just want me to like conjure a holiday stud in freaking August? Like, what kind of question is that? I'm looking for a horror horse stable maker. Okay, well, go read one or buy one or I don't know what you want me to say here. <laughs> I sound grouchy. I'm not really grouchy. I just don't know how to answer that. <laughs> Next up, this is a good one. I think, as of when you read this, how would you rank the 10 divisions of thoroughbred racing from most to least competitive? I didn't see this question before, so I didn't like prepare. But my answer would have been different a couple of years ago. I think that turf sprinting has really moved up in competitiveness and dirt sprinting which used to be crazy competitive is not as competitive anymore so obviously dirt and turf routers are on top because it's just it's really hard to break into dirt routers and turf routers there's so many good ones and so many different races and so many different trainers that have a hand in it i think those are really hard um turf miling has really the world hard now uh then turf sprinting that um i think all weather routing and steeplechasing are next like steeplechasing is actually really competitive it's hard to win and there's not that many stakes come on let me that's really thing is right there with um then under that would be like all weather mile all weather sprint and all well all weather sprint above all weather mile and dirt mile is kind of ridiculous it it needs help i don't know how to help it but it needs help did i get them all I think so. (laughs) I think that's, yeah. Okay. What is her next question? Okay. I'm actually really interested to hear the answer for this one. Same. If if time, money, or technology within reason were no object, what is one feature you would immediately add to the sim? So the thing that I really want to add to the sim, and if I could ever make this like my full-time not have to do a bunch of other stuff gig, this is, this is my dream for the sim that I want to do is I want to have it be more of like a live TV show, like TVG. So I would be on a simulcast and you would be like, or I would be like, okay, next up is the third race from Alaska. And we have a field of claimers going six furlongs. And then all of a sudden the little simulcasting box would change and play the race with our bad race viewer, you know, and you'd see the horses and I'd be like, wow, Nini, you did so well winning that $2,500 claimer. So we move on to artificial. And I would just do that like six days the best. And I love it. And, and that's what I would do. That would be the sickest thing ever. Not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> Someone, let's crowdfund this, but come on, come on, everybody. But it wouldn't just be me. Obviously, I couldn't do it around the clock. That'd be insane. So we'd have to have other people be like the, the um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the anchors or whatever. And and it'd just be great. Oh, I think it'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, hosts. Words are hard, okay? <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> okay. Uh... I think Mimi, you're up next, right? Correct. I really, really love this question too. And if you don't mind, I'm going to use this as a segue into another question that I have. And I was dumb and I didn't put this in the... What's the word for it? Your right words are hard. The form. The form. The form. form. I didn't put it in the form. Okay. In terms of horses that are pensioned, who was the best according to behind the scenes numbers? Racers, stallions, and broodmares. Okay, so is this... Like, can this be dead horses too, or do they have to be alive and pensioned? Nah, let's go for dead also. Alive or dead. Okay. So, the fastest two horses in sim history symbol and satellite. No question, they're still the fastest. The best stallion ever, percentage wise, was fighting with wit. Like, if freak then, he would be at like 80% freaks. Like, his stallion numbers were stupid and never to be repeated because it was too much. Um, Broodmare, I would say Sahara Gold who was in my barn and she produced three Louisville Derby winners. Like that's a thing that if that happened now, you guys would jump off cliffs. Like that would be bad. So um, <laughs> racing wise, uh, Sydney probably, but there's some, there's some good horses now. Uh, there's a harness horse for one. And there's a couple of yearlings that are as good as any horse has ever been. So there's some good times coming. That makes me excited. So a segue into this question that I didn't put into the forum, but that I've been thinking like for a long time, and I don't know how probable it is. Every time I bring it up to another player, they're like, that would be so sick. What if we had just for no purpose other than like fun or like we can make it an event or a big contest or something. If we had like a fantasy race, 
of like the greatest sim horses of all time. Like for dirt route, we could have like priceless forever and I'm as weak as I am and like maelstrom and outlet, you know, like all the triple crown winners together in a race. Basically like what they did made. for the Kentucky Derby this year. <laughs> yeah. There's something like that. Not just triple crown winners, not just limiting it, it, but what if there was like this series of dream races? I just think that would be the sickest thing ever. But here's the thing, like, we could totally do that, and it would be super easy to set up, and it would be awesome to watch, and they would break all the records, and it'd be really cool. But there's kind of the point of horse racing is, like, who was better, Secretariat or Dr. Fager? Who was better, Zenyatta or Rachel Alexandra? Like, part of the debate is that you never get to know, and so you argue it forever. And I really think it would take the fun out of it if I straight up told you, look, if if Priceless Forever and Loki Flame were going a mile and a quarter and the track was fast, this is the horse who would win nine times out of ten. Like, then it, it's just kind of a letdown. Like, I don't know. I, I don't like it. It's never going to happen because of that. That's a really fair point. And as for the Secretariat versus Dr. Fager question, I have a really hot take on that. Any, uh, uh, it's Dr. Gonna, Fager. Yeah, it is. Totally Dr. Fager. <laughs> At a certain distance, it's definitely Dr. Fager. And if yes. anybody disputes that, you can come and fight me. I invite you to come me into my too. DMs and throw me it down too. with me. I'll literally fight you. Okay, so moving on. <laughs> Back to you, Mira. Okay. All right. This comes from Craig McGee. Is there any way to make sure the track is dry and fast for the Star of Stars? Ju. Is that Ju? Is that how you say it? Joe? I think it's anyway, Joe. You would think that seven years of French would help me there, but no. Hates wet tracks, and he needs all, any help he can get to beat El Dorado. Okay, hold on one second. I'm the thing. Okay, it's week 14, right? All right, so I cannot tell you, I cannot guarantee that the track be fast, okay? That's not a thing I can do. I'm sorry, I genuinely don't have that power. That said, I'm telling you, right? Wait, what is this track called? Angelitos. Los Angelitos, right? Yeah, that well, sounds yeah. right. <laughs> so, yeah. I'd say as someone who doesn't do quarter horses. Orphanelitos <laughs> has a 5% chance of it being wet any given week. That is a very low percentage, so I think it'll be okay. Now that I've said that, you won't be, but in theory, you'll yeah. be okay. Also, my personal take on this, I'm sorry, I'm just going to give my unsolicited opinion here. I think most people in the sim overrate weather. I think it's like a super thing that people get worked up about that they don't need to get up worked up about a ton of horses win on their not preferred uh services like kingdom come one on a fast track when he prefers muddy tracks and danny was just telling me like oh i don't want to run i don't know if i should run galaxy's edge in the long island classic and no, 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 he likes he doesn't like muddy tracks dude he broke his maiden by like four on a muddy track with a 99 so like, yeah danny yeah it, danny <laughs> but yeah, I yeah, weather's overrated to me, in my opinion, for sure. Oh, it's my question. Okay, let's <laughs> let's ask it. I don't. I also kind of don't know what this is referring to, or if this this is like news to me. Why was there a semi for all weather older male slash female before all weather races were introduced? Yeah, so it's just because we're idiots, basically. There's there's a lot of little things like this where it's not hurting anybody, and so it's not a high priority to fix, but it's stupid and looks like we don't care about the Sims, so we need to fix it. Um, but basically, the Simi Awards used to be hand put into the horse pages, so I would literally sit there and look up a horse and then type in the award. Now it's automatically done by the computer. But to retroactively go back and put all those ones that I'd done by hand into the, you know, how you can go to the Sim Museum and look up the history of Simi Awards or whatever, to do that we did this like search function and did a search and replace and added them to the right ID numbers. For some reason, Africa... Asia and all weather. I don't know if we just did like find semi award A and just left it at that. But for some reason, those are all messed up. And there's all weather ones that are supposed to be Africa. And we'll fix it sometime. I promise. There have actually been a few females that have. Please send it to Champions. me because it's so easy for me to fix it now that we have the new system. But it's really hard for me to be like, today I'm going to sit down and work on this because let's get real. I have better things to do. Go through a million horses or however many have existed in the sim. Over Probably. a million. Over so yeah. many. So many. All right, this next question, I am sorry, but it is going to give me an aneurysm to read because, oh my God. Dear Steward, do you feel with the bar being raised each year that the new player's sales page is not fit for purpose and a first port of call for players to dump their younger horses cheap? Would a revamped new player recommend 
intended page be more fitting? Any horses that are able to run in the near future eligible to be posted, for example, week one through seven sprinters, uh, week one or week seven through 10 milers, yada, 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 that sort of thing. I've never thought about that. That's actually an interesting way to do it. I definitely think the new player recommended page needs a bump in where we have the line of recommendation. Um, again, that's a, one of those things that we just haven't got to. We've always working on stuff. Don't ever think that there's a day where we're not working on stuff because it's constant. I'm planning on taking tomorrow off, but that means I have to do the edge tonight and answer a bunch of emails tonight. Like there's, there's always stuff going on. So yes, I agree that the new player page needs a overhaul. I haven't thought about doing it that way, but that sounds actually pretty cool. I like it. Next up. This player says that you sometimes mention how you think a stallion has hypoed worse or better than you expected. I was always under the impression that you could see both the racing and the breeding number at birth, so was I assuming wrong? Can you only see the racing number until they retire, and then you see the breeding number? And if I'm not mistaken, we've talked about this in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I can only see the racing number when they're born. Um, I cannot see the breeding number unless I walk over to the admin, have him pull up the actual database and say, look up this horse ID and all of their numbers. I don't have any other way to do it. That has happened. With Hold Above, that happened. I knew Hold Above was going to be good. I did not think James Dean was going to be good. And I had no idea that Dave Matthews Band was going to be as good as he is. Like Laura's uh, Turf Miler, that what fearless spirit, I had no idea he was going to be what he is. And that totally took me by surprise. But there's some that... They have really good pedigree. They have a really good race record, that, which, I mean, I guess that doesn't matter. But they just look like they're going to be top stallions, and then they don't hypo that well. And you're like, come on, man. What are you? Like, come on. It, that bothers me as much as anybody, because I'm like, you should have been better. What's wrong with you, stupid horse? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Back to the Carol Hansen show. Um, do I have any foals in my barn that look like they could be superstars? If so, who is it? <laughs> Um, I have not looked at foals yet. I'm still looking at yearlings right now. I basically go through like all the yearlings before they turn two. So I have an idea of what's going down. I don't look at foals because that sounds complicated and hard. And also I don't care. So I cannot answer that question. But ask me about yearlings next time there's a mailbag. I might answer it. We have a there late page in from Nini Hunter here uh, asking. <laughs> yeah, no, too late. Too late. <laughs> Uh, all right. Are my twin freaks going to win the Derby and the Oaks back to back? <laughs> First of all, they're both going to run in the Derby. <laughs> um, if I, anyway, I digress. Okay, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, be, I believe this is another Carol question. We love you, Carol. Thank you for carrying this mailbag today. Uh, I'm going to use courting as my example for this question. Cording was a solid galloper until she broke her maiden first out with an 88 and improved to stakes gallop. My question is, if I never raced her and kept galloping her, would she have eventually shown the gallop improvement? Or in the case of a horse like her, is it only possible until after they make their first start? So if I just kept galloping her without racing, would she have remained solid? So basically, is there a difference between like a late bloomer to like freak improver or versus a first start out improver? Yeah, there's totally a difference. And I can't speak to courting specifically because I didn't open her page. Also, I think that info would be gone for me by the time I looked at it. But there's totally a difference between a horse that jumps up and a horse that was born to jump up. Does that make sense? Like a horse improving rapidly overnight with a start is a different programming sequence than a horse who is born a little bit slower but is going to mature and bloom later the horses who jump up with their first start are precocious though that's different than a horse that's going to develop over time um i don't know what the case was with courting but if in theory if she was a first start improver then you could have galloped her for all eternity and she wouldn't have changed and you never would have known and this is why i'm saying race 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 don't gallop until the horses turn blue they cannot earn you any money if they're sitting in your barn galloping every other day race them okay next up is a question on a more recent addition to the sim and that was that is how do you think barrier trials are going are people using them in the way you thought i think that they are going the way that we intended um and people are using them how we hoped. I think there's been an unintended byproduct of really good horses ending up in the same barrier trial and actually ending up more tired than they would have been if they had just raced or worked. Um, for instance, Cre 
create our worlds and watch the same barrier trial and they threw it down and they both worked really fast that day and they were actually maybe a little fresher or tighter or more tired than you would have wanted to if they had just had your standard five for long workout. So it's good because they got the racing experience and they, um, like you would want that in a young horse who hadn't raced yet, but at the same time you don't want it if you're using it as a tune-up for a grade one in seven days, like that kind of backfired. But in theory, yes, they're going really, really well and I'm really happy with them. Definitely some insightful info there. Next up, which horse has your favorite headshot? Uh, Symbol. Definitely Symbol. And it has not changed since Symbol came into our lives. He's also my favorite Symbol horse of all time. And that hasn't changed since, what, year eight or something? So um, there there are a lot of really good ones. And I even went through that um, Dan Kaufman thread that he posted today with all of the dirt routers on it. And it was just really cool to walk through time from year one all the way to now and see all the headshots. It, it's just awesome. I love that headshots are a thing in the sim. It's the one thing that we've never changed the price on. So Simperior has the price has gone up twice, um, which is fair because it's a totally different ball game now than it was in year twenty when we introduced it. There's a hundred more features now, but headshots haven't changed at all. The artists can't get raises because the price doesn't change, so there's no way for them to make more money. And yet the quality of them just gets better and better, and they just look great. I think they're really cool. Uh, next question is, who is your favorite gelding in training right now? Uh, I pulled up a list of all the geldings who are in training because I was like terrified that I would just blank and not be able to answer the question. My favorite gelding in training right now is Ray of Thunder. He is a millionaire for Donnie Hidalgo. He's out of a really good mare named Thunderhype. I don't think he was very good as a young horse, so Donnie ended up gelding him, and now he just keeps plugging along. He's probably not the type who's going to win like a Stewards Cup Classic, but he's going to race for another six years and probably earn another million dollars. I think he's awesome. Another one that I like is um, Regina Moore's Shingen Sin, who uh, just won the pegasus or the south i don't know he just won something and and it was funny because i when i was calling it i'm like oh my gosh and shingen sin upsets the field and regina messaged me and she was like why is it always a total shock when i win one of the races like she's one of the biggest players she's in every single division she makes millions upon millions of dollars and every time she wins i'm always like it's a shocker so (laughs) that's why i'm partial to shingen sin i can find the question okay the top three were the same horses this year for the Derby and the Baltimore Crown, which would be uh, Ziggy Stardust, Galaxy's Edge, and Witted. Do you think those same three horses will fill the top spots in the Long Island Classic, or will Fresh Blood win the day? Way to make it creepy at the end with Fresh Blood winning the day. <laughs> I actually didn't notice that until the second when I read the question along with you. I didn't know that it was the same top three horses, but yeah, it was. Um, I think <clears throat> that Ziggy Stardust is at a mile and a quarter the best horse in the crop like i think that derby was unbelievable and i think that he's going to be really dangerous either in the queen's derby or the um midsummer classic i don't know if he's going to go to the long island classic which might make this a moot point I don't know that Witted's going to go because I don't know if he'll get the distance. I know that Danny Derby's already hemming and hawing about whether or not to send Galaxy's Edge. So we can conceivably not have any of them in the Long Island Classic, uh, which would obviously mean that it can go to all sorts of other horses. I know that there's so many horses that would prefer the mile and a half. Aloft is a big one that we keep talking about. Um, I think Laura's Risen Today is going to go there, and I think he's going to like the mile and a half. Um, I think that one of those Eric Nalbone horses is going to go. So I, I do think it's going to be different, but mostly because I don't think those horses are even going to run. Uh, Galaxy's Edge and Witted are currently entered in the Long Island Classic. Yeah, those people, you can't trust them. Especially <laughs> <laughs> I got to uh, think Karazan would be another big one with uh, Singback oh, Daughter yeah, on the dam side. Sure. Which is interesting because I know that Ash is a little bit worried that Karazan's done. That he was... Even no, though it was a no way. Much. I know. I think I think the mile and a half is right there. Like I think that's great, but because he won the juvenile, I think Ash is a little worried that nothing else is going to happen. Ash, if you're listening, I disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. Next up, uh, we kind of this has kind of been touched on in a previous question, but does the presence of competition and barrier trials affect the final time? 
Yes, absolutely. Just like getting pushed in a workout with a workout companion, like in real life, if you were running on a track with Usain Bolt and you were like, man, I'm going to run even harder than normal because I want to try and keep up with him. Of course, you're going to go faster than if you were just jogging around by yourself thinking about eating Doritos. <laughs> Relatable. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Way to capture my essence there. Um, you did touch on this uh, question as well earlier. Is breeding in large quantities the best way to play the numbers and get a super freak slide? No. <laughs> I hate it. I do hate it. And I can see where mathematically I get why people play that way. Like, it makes sense. You get as many good horses as you can and you just rapid fire throw them at as many stallions as you can. But there is the whole game was built on the concept of this stallion to a mare by this stallion is going to get you better results than if you're not paying attention. Like the nicks that were put into the game week one of year one are still prevalent today. It's just removed different generations. So like that kind of stuff is still so important. And the big time breeders with all these horses aren't paying any attention to that. They just see, uh, Blue Bayou hypos really well and Kingdom Come Mares hypo really well. So I'm going to throw them at each other. But what if Rambling and whoever, I because I'm just my train of thought here, but what if those don't stick well? Then you're judging yourself and these, these people aren't paying attention anymore. And that's where someone like, not to bring up John Exet all the time, but or a Laura Ferguson or an Eric Nalbone, they still are sitting there looking at these crosses and how they work with each other. And that's something that big breeders just can't do because they just have too many horses. And so, yes, mathematically, you're going to get a bunch of nice horses, but I don't think mathematically you're going to have an extra edge compared to someone who's really putting in the work and studying. Okay. Uh, close to the end here. Uh, this question asks, people say you need to support your own stallions. How would you suggest doing that with a small broodmare band, especially since not every mare will necessarily cross well with that stallion? So I actually, I, I'm of two minds of this question. People say you need to support your own stallions. That's true. And and to some extent, you, you want your to succeed, you need to support them. But that doesn't necessarily mean sending them mares. And that's where I think people have gotten lost. That means having forum contests or bringing him up in chat or plugging him every chance you get. Be a little annoying with your stallion. That's more supportive than buying five generic stars and hoping that they cross well and you get a good gallop. Let other people do that for you if you don't have the mares. Don't make yourself go broke getting into a division you don't even like trying to support a stallion if you don't know how to do it. You can support your stallion a different way. I really like that uh, train of thought there. It's only because you plug Kingdom Come a hey, lot. I'm, <laughs> hey, I'm not the only one who plugs their stallion a lot. That's true. Also, it worked. <laughs> It works, people. It's true. Um, all right. Free the kingdom come. Free the kingdom come. <laughs> Galaxy's Edge, Karazhan, Risen to Days. Got all of these nice ones. Crucify. I'm going to stop now. Um, <laughs> last question. Hi, Roxy. Uh, last question. Why do some people always seem to be so lucky, especially some who hardly play the game anymore or have only five horses? I don't know who they're referring to with only five horses. I assume the people who hardly played, they're talking about Susie Rydell. Um, so a couple of answers here. No one, not a single person in the sim thinks they're doing well. Danny Derby thinks he's terrible at it. Nini, you haven't had a great year. You think you're terrible at it. Um, someone who's been around for forever, like a John Set, thinks that they're terrible at it everyone needs to just chill. Like I know Louise Bayou has been really frustrated with her horses lately. She literally has probably the best dirt router in training with that voodoo you do. And she still doesn't think she's any good at the sim and thinks that other people are doing better or are luckier or are whatever. You're all the same. <laughs> You're all the same person duplicated a million times in the game. Okay. No one is actually doing any better than anyone else. It just feels that way because it's, you know, hard to watch someone else win, I guess. I don't know why. I mean, I, I can't think off the top of my head of anyone who seems to be luckier than anyone else. Like, the people who do really well, like a Laura, 
or a Jack Meyer or a Laura Smith. They work so hard at the game and they're on it all the time and they deserve the success they get. Good job on them. And like a Pete Vela works super hard on the sim or was um, until he got a little bit burned out. And when people get burned out with too many horses, you can see that in the results. They're not as good and they're not winning as many big races. And and so I don't think that anyone is lucky. There's no, I, I can't even think of what that would be. Um, as for Susie and whether she hardly plays the game, well, she's actually on the sim all the time. She doesn't have that much time to enter, but she knows all her horses and she knows where they're pointing and whether she misses the entry deadline as happened with uh, Dauphin not making it into the Baltimore crown doesn't mean that she's not on the game. It just means she didn't get a chance to enter because real life is crazy. And I totally am on board with the real life is crazy. These people who have these foundation families from in the sim from year four, five and six. Yeah. They can kind of be more lax and then work their stable into shape. But with like Eric, he took a year and a half off from the sim and now he's doing really well, but people are forgetting that six months of real life time that it took to get all those horses back into fitness, to lose a ton of races, trying to get them back into shape. Yeah. Now they're doing really well, but that took a lot of work. So yeah, everyone's working really hard. No one's lucky. Everyone's doing the best they can and there's, it, it, everyone's going to be okay. You guys are going to be okay. All right. Thank you. I think a lot of us needed to hear that. It gets it's so easy <laughs> to to get discouraged when you can't seem to find that big win or like a big horse or it's been a long time since you've had a big horse, but it it just gets really tough. But that's a really good I was note just to end talking, on. I was just talking to Chris Bob about this the other day that down year and hasn't won a big race and wasn't in the triple crown races and stuff and and so Chris was feeling a little discouraged. And I was like, you literally retired delirium seven weeks ago. Like, what do you think is going to happen when you retire a horse like delirium? Like, you, you just had the best horse in the whole game. Like, you got to give it a minute until you get the next good one. It's, it's cyclical. People do well and then they have years off and you just kind of have to get through the bad years. It's the same as if... Bob Baffert wins three Kentucky Derbies and then he has five years where he doesn't, and then he wins another three. It's because you have to rebuild and 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 lose sometimes. I'm sorry, you have to lose sometimes. Also, Just- as someone who is involved in real life racing, I will say that this game is like, in my opinion, so much harder than the actual racing game. Like it's ridiculous. I don't know if that's like a commonly shared th- or commonly held belief though, but like I don't know, it just, you see so much in the sim where, um, you know, you have a horse like that voodoo you do and you say, like, he's the best horse in training or best a router in training or uh, on that along those lines. And you look at his form and you're like, but he doesn't have, like, a massive win percentage. Like, he's not completely dominant. And you see in real life racing, you have horses that are completely dominant, that you have undefeated years, but you don't see that in the sim. And that's what I like about it. There's a lot of parody in it. Well, and you do see it, but we haven't had a horse like that for a while. We've had a couple years in a row where it's been really tough. And that's good in some ways. Like we Owl let you know who won the triple crown and basically was undefeated, I think, or saved for one or whatever. She was only four or five years ago. Like it wasn't that long since we had a horse that won literally everything, but it feels like it's been a long time. And so then it feels like it's not possible. But of course it's possible. There's gonna be another horse that's gonna win the triple crown. And, and we're going to be like, oh man, how did that person get so lucky? But they didn't. (laughs) Just keep on keeping on people. It's, it's rough, but it's the most rewarding thing when you get to where you want to be. It's the best. And then you're back to where you don't want to be. And then you keep on working again. And then it's fun getting there. That's just it. That's just it. People don't realize that you can get to the top, but staying at the top, it's impossible. You can't do it. Like no one stays at the top. That's not feasible because that's just not possible so yeah the game's not linear right exactly and so you can have a really good season like with a kingdom come and then you can get really frustrated because you can't have a kingdom come on the track but guess what now he's in the shed and they're coming for you so like you'll get back to the top again one day one day i don't know okay yeah one day <laughs> not no day but today though not no day but today. <laughs> i'm really surprised you didn't ask me like What's the deal with no day but today? Is it too late? <laughs> um, I, I'm looking him up to see. I know I had an opinion on this horse. Basically, 
I feel like he kind of had a bad situation in that, you know, he, he started at a weird place in his career. He started as a four-year-old. So he missed a time in his career when he could have been really good at two and three. And then he kind of like in his third start was dropped into the desert world cup. And he never really was able to come back from that. Like he finished second in a couple stakes that he should have won if he was what we thought he was. And then, yay, he jumps up and he wins the Los Campeones classic. And then, and now he's just right back to the wolves. Like the Los Campeones classic is a cool race, but it's not the wolves. Like I like slick rock as a sire, but on the track, he was just kind of meh. So I think with this horse, unfortunately expectations are not meeting reality, but he's still going to earn you a million dollars and he's going to be a hot stallion in theory. I haven't seen, but looking at him, he looks like he should be. So he's going to, again, it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of, I take full responsibility for what happened with that situation where I totally just like went MIA for a while. And I do acknowledge that he is definitely a cut below the best, but I'm going to see, you know, maybe he could do something with himself. Maybe he'll jump up and get a big one, but we'll, we'll see. I take I'm 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 perfectly okay with that now that it's out in the open. I thought that that period of time after the Desert World Cup the first time around, I was like, oh, he's just still getting into it. He's right there, he's right there. And then after this one, I'm like, nah, he's just not as good as I thought he was. And I'm okay well, with that. Well, that's just it. Like looking at him, he looks like he should be that kind of horse. Like he looks like he should be winning these big grade ones. But you know what? He's not. And at some point, you have to listen to what the horse is telling you, which is, I can't do it. Maybe if he wins a bunch of grade twos in a row, then he'll be like, you know what? It's time to try it again. And that's when he could surprise you. But he's got to put in the work first before we can trust him. So back off on the training, Nini. <laughs> no gunning him in the morning anymore. No gunning him in the morning. I gotta stop being Bob with him. All right. Well, I had a lovely right, well, time here tonight. Yes, thank you so much for coming back on. Oh, I just realized I should talk. I was just staring at the wall again, and I was like, okay, wrap it up, people. Oh, you talked to me. Yeah, thanks. It was great to be here. I'll do it again before the end of the year, probably. <laughs> cool. We will, we will definitely, we would definitely love to have you back. Maybe you guys could, like, I could preview a Stewards Cup race or something. I'd like to do that. Oh, that'd be cool. Sure. Yeah, we could, we could definitely arrange that. All right, everyone. It's been a good time. Emily, we we love you. We love having you on the show. Uh, thank you for enlightening us with your perspective to our listeners. Please tell us if you find uh, Dylan or Tim. We, we really were serious about that. Neither <laughs> to have them back. Um, but, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. May all your horses win. Yes, everybody have a good week. And don't forget the bleach if you need to hide a body. <laughs> Good night, everyone. I heard your name last night. It hit me like a warning sign, yeah. We used to be so tight, and now those days are long gone. How many years go back? You called to get it back on track, yeah. But I think you buried that when you said that. Yeah, we were 20.